A successful retirement plan begins with assembling the right set of tools. Finding the proper ones for the job will allow you to drill down on your goals and nail down your future. Scott Searles, certified wealth strategist and owner of Skybox Financial Group, constructs retirement plans for clients every day and will share that knowledge and insight with you. It's time to open the retirement toolbox and get to work. Hey, it's another edition of the Retirement Toolbox. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Scott Searles of Skybox Financial Group. You can find us online at skyboxfinancialgroup.com or go to talkwithscott.net to schedule your time to visit. Links in the description of today's show to get in touch. Serving you in the greater Cleveland area and beyond with more than 20 years of experience. We're going to tap into that knowledge on today's show as we get uh, into part two of our conversation about mastering retirement cash flow, focusing on the income side of the equation in today's program. Plus, uh, we'll talk a little style in our getting to know you conversation with Scott today. And we've got a good question from Bruce when we open up the mailbag at the end of the show. Bruce is wondering about a recession. So we'll dive into his concerns as we work through the program today. Scott, great to be with you this week. I hope your summer's going well. It absolutely is, Walter. It's, it's By the time this airs, it'll be August and we're getting close to the end. I can't believe how early the kids are going back to school. I know my daughter, who's going into high school, she'll be a freshman this year. Yeah, they go back like in the middle of August. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Seems I'm, a little early. I, I grew up in North I, Carolina. We always went back pretty early, like middle middle of August, it seemed. But uh, I was always jealous of my cousins. They were in New Jersey, and they would always go back after after Labor Day. And then we'd already yeah. be two to three weeks into school at that point. It was like, well, this doesn't make sense. We're we're going to school in 99-degree heat and 100% humidity down here while you guys are hanging out and still enjoying your summer. Yeah. You know, I used to go back after Labor Day. I mean, it's uh, – I mean, it makes just, sense, right? Just do Labor Day to Memorial Day and call, it, call yeah. it a day, right? Well, I remember a few years ago, my older daughters were in school. They would, like, literally start, like, three days before Labor Day. They'd have three days, then they'd have off for Labor Day weekend and go back. Yeah. That never seemed to make sense. Yeah, I feel like so. Labor Day should be the official final day of summer, and then you start school the next day, and then same thing, the final day of school would be right, whatever the last day, you know, the last Friday before Memorial Day, and that's yep. the official kickoff to summer. Well, why don't we just do that? I agree. But, you know, now they have a lot of that testing and stuff, and that takes up a lot yeah, of school time for their testing, and so, yeah, it just is what it is. Get it, get over it, right? <laughs> I don't know. That's just right. Seems like it would just schedule wise work really nicely to have it the other way. But anyway, we'll stop griping about that and move on yes. to our financial help for people today. Well, glad you've had a good summer so far, and uh, it's not over yet. Let's not let's not mourn the end of summer just just quite yet. We still got a little more time here. That's right. Uh, we talked last month about retirement cash flow, and we focused on the expenses side of the equation, Scott. So now we'll look at kind of the flip side and look at the income part of what goes on in the retirement cash flow uh, equation and conversation and start talking about why you need an income analysis and really analyze guaranteed income versus things that are a little bit more uncertain and try to figure out how we can pull together a clear income plan from all of these key questions. So Mm -hmm. I think this will be really helpful. Let's first of all understand why figuring out this income part of the equation is critical to financial stability in retirement. What what could happen if you don't have a clear picture of your retirement income? Well, think about it, Walter. I mean, it's time to retire. It's pretty hard to retire without any income. I mean, you got to pay your bills. So the income is a super important part of getting everything structured. 
And it truly is a continuation from what we talked about in part one is that accumulation and that savings aspect of everything and building up that money because now you get to that point where you start to utilize those income. And as we're going to talk about a lot today, there's a lot of different places to get income for. There's some that are stable, guaranteed. You know, there's ones where the, you know, the value may change every week, every month. So having that plan and strategy and knowing where they're coming from is the crucial part of number one, you feeling comfortable in retirement, right? Because you want to, comfort comes from knowing that that money's always going to be there for you, knowing where it's coming from and knowing what to expect. All that is what a good, clear retirement income strategy does for you. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, right? So we got to get our expenses under control, but that's kind of worthless if we don't also then figure out that clear picture of the income side. So do people, are they often aware of all the possible different areas of where their income sources can come from in retirement? What are some examples of all the different ways we can create that? Well, I think a lot of people, when they come in my office, they they may know, but they don't necessarily realize or they don't know how to maximize the income. And, and that's kind of key. A uh, good example of that is Social Security. You know, you can get Social Security, but there's ways you can maximize it when you take it, looking at spousal Social Security, all those types of things. So, you know, that's one source is going to be Social Security. And, you know, I have people come in my office all the time saying, I don't know if Social Security is going to be there. But I would tell you for the majority of people, you know, that are within five years of retirement, Social Security is going to be exactly what you anticipate it to be. Now, younger people, Social Security may be changing. They could be changing the system. They could be stretching out when you get it. Uh, a lot of different things in order to fix that Social Security system. But I would tell you, you can count on it. it it's going to be there. So we've got Social Security. Some people still may have pensions. They're few and far, far between, but they're, they're pensions. Then we're going to be looking at, at what we're going to have from our savings. And that may be what you have in your 401k, maybe annuities, dividends from your investment. You could also have interest income from your investments. And then maybe you own some properties. You might have some rental income coming in from those. And then a lot of people, they retire. They're not quite sure, you know, once they retire, they, they kind of have this lifestyle adjustment and they end up getting a part-time job. And it may not necessarily be because they have to. Some people, they have to. But a lot of people, they just, they retire, they start getting bored, their hobbies aren't what they thought it was going to be. And then what they decide to do is get a, just a part-time job. And, and I always use Home Depot as an example because that's what my dad did. You know, he worked at Home Depot and he enjoyed that and you know, he didn't have to, but he did because, you know, he had, you know, he just wanted something to do during the day. So, you know, th those are the different examples and in, in where you can have income coming from in your retirement. Yeah, lots of different potential sources there. So good to know what the options are. Now, should we just kind of like lean in, like focus just really heavily on one of these particular sources or maybe two? Or should we look for a diversity of these different sources of income? Does it matter how we get to the ultimate number if the number is the most important thing? Well, yeah, the number is important, but I do like to have a different sources of income. And a lot of times when people come in my office, 
you know, we're going to have Social Security right away. So we know that Social Security aspect is going to be coming in. We're going to have that income from Social Security. Once we take a look at what your expenses are and what you need for your retirement, right, then we're going to have a, usually a gap there, a gap between Social Security and what you need to spend. So I like to diversify that out and, and we'll take it from different sources from different places. And even from your savings, we'll have different strategies maybe set up within that savings. And what I do is, is I like to, I kind of work on what's referred to as the bucket strategy, where what we're going to have is we're going to have a certain amount of money in cash, one to two years of money in cash. So that is where our income is going to come out of. And when I say cash, I don't mean just collecting dust. I mean, we utilize money markets, CDs, things like that to get some, some you know, decent yields off of it. Then we'll have another three years set aside in what we call the income bucket. These are going to be a little bit more risky assets, but still not involved with the stock market. So we'll have bonds in there, structured notes, things like that. Then the rest of your money would be invested a little bit more aggressively so that we can beat inflation over the long term. So that's just one area where we fill that gap up, but then we'll have different types of investments. Maybe, like you said, we be, like I said before, maybe we have some rental income coming in or we have some part-time work and then we can decrease the amount that we take out of those buckets and adjust how we're investing that. So, you know, that, that's, we want to have it spread out as much as we can because we never know what can happen. You know, maybe if you're relying solely on rental income and then all of a sudden, I don't know, there's a fire at your house and you can't rent it out for, you know, a year, year and a half, and you're relying on that income, that's going to affect your plan. Or if you've got all your money in a portfolio invested in stocks and you start to, you know, just pull money out, well, if the markets drop, it's going to affect your comfort level with pulling that money out. So I think having a strategy set up with the diversified income sources is the way to go. So, Scott, I guess let's narrow the conversation in a little bit. Let's talk about guaranteed income, because in my exposure to the financial world over the last several years, I hear some advisors just beat the drum of guaranteed income constantly, and then others never really mention the word guarantee. And so I'm curious, how should somebody approach guaranteed versus non-guaranteed income? Do we need to have a balance of both in a plan? What's your view? Yeah, I'd like to have a balance of both. And, and when we refer to guaranteed income, this is an income stream that we can count on, that no matter what happens in the economy, what happens in the markets, what happens anywhere, that money comes in every month. So we kind of count Social Security as a guaranteed income, right? So that we know that that money indeed should be coming in every month. Uh, then another way that we provide guaranteed income is by utilizing annuities. When we have a conversation with somebody, you know, we talk about guaranteed income and what is their comfort level with that? Do they want to have more guaranteed income or less? And if they want to have more, then we'll put in a sleeve where we have an annuity that pays out a guaranteed paycheck every month for the rest of your life. So you know that if you live to be 120 or whatever, that you're always going to have that income coming in along with Social Security. So again, depending on the client and the situation, we use that to give that little bit of a sleeve there where we know that no matter what, we're going to have that money coming in to cover 
the basics of our expenses, and then everything else will come from other non-guaranteed sources to supplement and add on. So that's how we kind of work it. Everything else on the guaranteed income spectrum, well, on the income spectrum, really, you know, we don't have that guarantee factor. If we're using dividends, for instance, dividends can get cut. If we're, we're using interest rate, interest off of bonds, well, those can fluctuate and change. So everybody's situation is different in how much guaranteed income they want. And then we'll we'll kind of tailor or structure it to those needs. That's helpful to understand. So I, I guess maybe then it's kind of matching up, or do we need to match up? All right, so non-guaranteed income covers X, whereas the guarantees are going to cover Y. Uh, this kind of wraps into maybe a concept listeners have heard, paychecks and playchecks. Uh, I think there's a book by that same name, and mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of a, just a concept that's been covered by a lot of people. So how do those different sources of income meet the needs for those categories? Yeah, so that paychecks versus playchecks idea is that you would have guaranteed income coming in every month that would pay for your necessities, the things that you absolutely need, whether if you have a mortgage or taxes and, and all those things, that would come in with that guaranteed income side. Then everything else that you'd want to do, your vacations and eating out and some of the non-necessities we could utilize other income from. So that's kind of where that concept comes from. We don't generally do a lot of that because what I want to, what I want to do is make sure we've got an income that's going to last you the rest of your life for everything, necessities or non-necessities. Now the portion that we would have guaranteed is going to be what the, you know, the client's going to feel comfortable with. Some people said, "Hey, I'm okay. I don't need to have besides social security anything else guaranteed." fine. And we, you know, we'll structure the plan that way. They say, well, you know what? I'd like to have those necessities covered, or I'd like to have, you know, half or so, you know, then we structure that way. And it's, it's all based on the conversation and everybody's case is different. Well, that's all very helpful information, Scott. I guess to wrap up the conversation about understanding income and, and complete our cash flow series here are the strategies for these two different areas, guaranteed income and the non-guarantees. Are, are the strategies for maximizing that income different between those two? Well, you know, yeah, it is. Because what, what's going to happen is when you have that guaranteed income stream, depending on how you have it set up, you're not going to get a lot of, of real increases a lot in there. So you want to have a strategy for that non-guaranteed income to grow it more, to be able to, to give yourself raises or money whenever you need it in the future. I say roof blows off the house money, right? I mean, if you need to all of a sudden grab 25 grand out of, out of you know, you need an infusion of income of 25 grand for a month. I want to make sure that that money's going to be there for you. While on the guaranteed side, that's what you're getting every month. You can't change it. That's what it's going to be. So we need to have a strategy on the other side to give you extra cash, give you raises, or maybe your taxes go up and you need to have an extra $200 a month or whatever, you know, that we have the flexibility on that non-guaranteed side to provide that for you. All right, very good. If you've got questions about understanding your income and getting more specifics about your situation and making sure that you're getting customized guidance and advice, that's the kind of planning that Scott does each and every day in the office, and it's very easy to reach out and get in touch and even schedule a time to visit with Scott here in the near future. Uh, you can do that by going to talkwithscott.net. 
Again, that's talkwithscott.net. Schedule a time to get on uh, Scott's calendar uh, very easily, uh, again, just by clicking on that link. We'll put it in the description of today's show so you can find it easily. The phone number that you can also utilize is 888-742-0111, 888-742-0111. Coming up, we're going to answer one of your questions, but first, it's time to get to know Scott a little bit better. <music> It's getting to know you time. All right, Scott, my question for you on today's episode is if you were to kind of look back at your high school days, what style or trend did you participate in during that time that now causes you to just shake your head? (laughs) Well, I'm shaking my head right now. I know no one can see that, but you know, it had to be my hairstyle. Now, anybody that knows me now knows I've got very little hair. Uh, it's because I started <laughs> losing my hair rather early in my life. And then I said, you know, instead of just shaving it bald, I, I just cut it very, very, very short. But when I was in high school, I used to have this little swoopy, like, uh, piece of hair that kind of dangled down over my forehead, kind of, if anybody knows, like the flock of seagulls kind of thing, right? So nice. I was sporting one of those things. And it wasn't until my, actually, I had that in the college too. And one day I'm just like, I'm, I just took a buzz, uh, pair of trimmers to it and just tr- shaved it all down, and cut it really short. But yeah, it had to be that, that goofy swooping hair thing on my forehead. I still see pictures of it and I just yeah. laugh at myself. I'm like, what a doofus. I can picture it without even seeing the picture. Yeah, that looks <laughs> I, I'm I'm chuckling about that right now just yes. picturing that. See? But now you wish you had those golden locks, don't you? Just the You know what? Yeah, I mean it'd be nice, but you know what? I I don't really care much about my hair. It's never yeah. bothered me. I'm never and now a you guy to really take care of anything, which is kind of nice. That's true. Right? Every week I cut it myself in the garage and uh I'm good to go. Yeah. You know, the biggest problem with not having any hair is when I cut the grass and I hit my head on a tree branch or something, uh, I don't have hair to protect my head. You have, you have no so buffer, a, right? Yeah. Right. So I got this big, like, scratch on top of my head. I'm like, Ugh. so oh I try gosh. to I always try to wear a hat, but not all the time. Love it. Uh, I'd say my I, I wasn't much of a follow the crowd and follow the trends kind of person. I don't think I was back in high school. I tended to go against the grain a little bit or just didn't get wrapped up in stuff like that. But I did, going into my senior year, I guess people were getting highlights. We lived at the beach, so it was kind of like that was just something. All guys were getting highlights in their hair, you know. Oh, some, cute. A little, little, bit, <laughs> little, bit of, little bit of blonde here and there. So I got my hair cut by a lady who was about 85 years old, and uh, literally um, her shop, I could walk through our backyard to get to her shop. So I would do that, come home from school or whatever, walk through the backyard, get my hair cut. Very same thing every time. I walked in one day and I was like, yeah, my girlfriend says I should get highlights for my birthday and just, you know, to do something different. And she was like, well, if it's your birthday, I'll do them for free. And I was like, all right, why not? Give, Give it a shot. Let's just see. It's just hair. I can always cut it off. And uh, it was just basically like splotches of uh, of blonde all through my hair. And I had totally forgotten, not that I cared that much, but senior pictures were the next day. And oh, so geez. I now we didn't even buy any senior pictures. And my mom probably would have been furious if she had actually spent money to buy them and then saw what my hair looked like. 
it was uh it was pretty awesome um it was so uh, ridiculous looking and uh and i was very carefree in the summer going into senior year you know you have very few cares right. in the world at that point so right my mom's well, reaction was very funny my dad's reaction to this day is still the most incredible statement and moment i've ever had in my entire life when he sees me and just won't even speak to me walks past me goes inside the house sits in his ch- in his rocking chair and just starts rocking back and forth angrily looking ahead and i'm chit-chatting with mom i'm all like you know happy go lucky she's emptying the groceries she's laughing about the hair all this stuff and i'm like i don't think dad really uh, really is into this and he finally says we're storholtz we're conservative we don't do that expletive <laughs> <laughs> And I I lost it and then he even lost it too after after that came out of him. It was just it was the funniest thing ever. I, so. I used to use that sun in. You know, I, I think that spray that you'd put in you go out in the sun and it would just kinda like bleach your hair. Yeah. 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 I uh-huh. used to I remember, I remember people experimenting with all sorts of ways to change their yeah. hair color. I don't know do. if they still make that stuff. It probably costs cancer or something. Probably does. Yeah. Yeah. Or people would put bleach in their hair, straight yeah. bleach and Kool-Aid. different things. Kool Aid. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I you could do a Kool. So if you want pink hair, you'd use you know oh. cherry Kool Aid or something. This was a very yes. spontaneous thing. It was just literally like it just happened, and then it was the it was a one and only time thing, and then you know it grew out and cut off, and it was back to normal. But it was uh, it was a pretty funny couple of weeks. That's for nice. sure. I was like, my, yeah, this does look pretty ridiculous. But hey, when you're seventeen, you do whatever, you know. That's Tell right. Us. Well, there you go. Styles and trends back in the high school days. Fun to think about. All right, uh, let's get to know one of our listeners a little better. We got a good question this week from Bruce. Let's get to it. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. All right, you can submit your questions online at skyboxfinancialgroup.com. Just look at the contact page. Uh, This question uh, on today's episode comes to us from Bruce. It's simple and straightforward, I think, but maybe not a simple answer, Scott. Bruce says, I fear a recession, so I might stop contributions to my 401k for a while. Good idea? Well, you know what, Bruce? Generally, I would say, not knowing much about your situation... Uh, that that is not a good idea. You see, it's actually against the opposite of what you should be doing, is that when the markets go down and there is a recession and the markets drop, now how much the markets are dropping a recession, no one knows. But you want to add more money in when prices are lower so that when the prices come back up, you can make money. It's just like buying stuff on sale. So if the markets drop, you know, you want to buy at low prices so that when the markets eventually come up, you can participate in that. So the reality would be if you're younger, you know, again, based on your age, right? If you've got two months before you're going to retire and you're do you're, you know, you think a recession's coming. All right. Maybe that is a case where you might want to tone it down a little bit. And if you're going to start pulling income rather soon, but if you've got five years or so to go until you retire, you're going to use this money. The exact opposite is true in that you probably would want to increase your contributions as the markets go down. Because then when the markets come up, you've got even more money in there for to participate in the market swinging back up. 
It's a great question. Thanks for sending that one in to us, Bruce. And uh, yeah, handling fears, doubts, unknowns about retirement. That's what it's all about and how Scott helps people each and every day in the office. And so if you've got questions about your particular situation, don't hesitate to reach out to Scott and get some guidance on those items. He's got more than 20 years of experience helping people get to and through retirement with solid financial plans. To schedule a time to visit, once again, go to talkwithscott.net. That's talkwithscott.net. And you can also call 888-742-0111, 888-742-0111. We'll put that in the description of today's show so you can find it easily to get in touch. Scott, thanks for all of your help on the show today. Really enjoyed the conversation with you, and we'll look forward to catching up again in a few weeks. I always enjoy it, Walter. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll talk to you again next time right back here on The Retirement Toolbox. Go Guards. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.